Good evening, everyone. Welcome, and thank you for being here. Welcome to our regular board meeting of the Shawnee Mission School District Board of Education, the November 25th regular meeting. And our first item on the agenda is the Pledge of Allegiance. Please stand and join us in the pledge. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you. We'll now move to item uh, 1.02, and we'll seek an adoption of the agenda this evening. So moved. Second. Thank you, Mrs. Goodburn. Thank you, Mrs. Zila. All those in favor of adopting the agenda as presented today, please say aye. 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 All those opposed, nay. And that is adopted 7 to 0. Uh, next, we move to item 1.03. This is the approval of the minutes of our regular meeting of November 11th. So moved. Thank you, Mrs. Mack. Second. Thank you, Dr. Sinclair. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Those opposed, nay. That is approved 7 to 0. Move on now to the approval of the minutes of the special meeting of November 11th. So moved. Second. Thank you, Mrs. Zila. Thank you, Mrs. Goodburn. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 And those opposed, nay. And that's approved 7 0. We'll now move on to section 2, which is the superintendent's report. Dr. Okay. Fulton. Thank you, Mr. Stratton. And uh, happy Thanksgiving to everyone. everyone. Oh, thank you. Happy Thanksgiving. We have lots of good news uh, reports tonight. As we continue to recognize our 50th anniversary milestone, this week's SMSD StoryCorps video features Dr. Robert Samari, a Shawnee Mission West graduate and Executive Vice Chancellor for the University of Kansas Medical Center. So while I'm a Shawnee Mission West graduate, uh, I'm also a graduate of Catherine Carpenter and Hillcrest Junior High. So I got there as a 10th grader, and uh, I uh, got under the spell of, uh, of someone who really changed my life dramatically and changed generations of, of science students in Shawnee Mission, and that was uh, Mr. Ken Bingman. So if I interview medical students today and I ask if anybody knows Ken Bingman, I get hands raising today. Uh, it really got me interested and got me into a, uh, an advanced uh, biology class and, uh, and actually introduced me to my wife who's here in the third row. We met in biology class uh, sophomore year. And I tell Ken, other than getting me interested in science and introducing my, my wife, what else has he done for me? <laughs> Dr. Samari, I know he, he speaks often of King Bingman and the fact that he is both a, uh, a tutor of his. He, he, he learned a lot from, uh, from this master teacher, but he, uh, the fact that he was also a matchmaker was pretty good. So anyway, that's, that's a great story, but uh, the power of a teacher. It's all true. You know, Hawker Grove uh, Middle School students had a career day that they participated in. And this career day was, to design, it was designed to support the district's college and career readiness strategic plan objective. Business partners led many workshops for students at Hawker Grove Middle School. Students had the opportunity to see and learn firsthand about a variety of professions, including public service, software engineering, and physician assistants. So that was a lot of fun for the Hawker Grove students. At the elementary level, 
Mill Creek Elementary hosted a community connection fair. Kindergartners and first graders attended sessions with the Kansas City Zoo and a local artist. Second through sixth grade students were encouraged to review the list of over 50 presenters with their parents in preparation to attend three career sessions of their choice, which included a meteorologist, veterinarian, and wildlife biologist. So great learning by the Mill Creek students. Families are invited to participate in health insurance open enrollment through December 15th. The Kansas Assistance Network helps families complete health insurance and social services applications and provides education about health insurance and how to obtain health care. They help families apply for marketplace insurance and Medicaid, as well as connect with services in the community. And we'll provide a link to those services in our board recap. Our own Brookwood Elementary team is a top 20 Battle of the Brains finalist. The team, Good Vibrations, exhibit, yeah, you clap for them, go ahead, that's good. <laughs> they deserve it. The team, Good Vibrations, uh, exhibit will show the impact that sound and music have on our daily lives. The team of fifth graders are from Brookwood, Brookridge, Deemer, Oak Park Carpenter, Rose Hill, and Trailwood. Their coach is Polly Crapes, Brookwood's enhanced learning educator. So thank you to her for all of that great work. Well, I had the pleasure and honor, really, of attending the recognition of Corinth Elementary School at the National Blue Ribbon School Conference in Washington, D.C. We want to congratulate the Corinth School community, the National Blue Ribbon Schools program is a U.S. Department of Education award program that recognizes exemplary public and non-public schools on a yearly basis. Corinth is one of six schools honored in Kansas, and it is truly uh, a high recognition to be a Blue Ribbon National School. Congratulations again to Corinth Elementary. <laughs> Laura Moore, who... Is she here? No? Okay. All right. He's a Prairie Elementary sixth grade teacher. is being recognized with the Regional Teaching Environmental Stewardship Award by the Kansas City Environmental Education Network. This award is given each year to a teacher who provides exceptional environmental education to their students. So congratulations to Laura. Christine Martinez, Special Education Case Manager at Neiman Elementary School, has been nominated as a 2019-2020 Life Changer of the Year. This nomination celebrates those who are making a significant difference in the lives of students by exemplifying excellence, positive influence, and leadership. Congratulations to Christine. Annette Gonzalez, Athletic Director at Shawnee Mission North, was recognized as a Certified Athletic Administrator by the National Interscholastic Athletic Administrators Association. To earn this distinction, Annette has demonstrated the highest level of knowledge and expertise in the field of interscholastic athletic administration. She is one of an elite group of interscholastic athletic administrators nationwide to attain this level of professionalism. Congratulations to Annette. <laughs> Annette. 
Well, we recently hosted uh, here at the CAA a fall interview night. The Human Resources Department, along with the school and district administrators, welcomed 184 candidates to our annual fall interview night. This is the highest number of candidates in the five-year history of the event. The district excite, is excited about the turnout and looks forward to welcoming successful candidates for the 2020-2021 school year. In the Girls Living STEM Award, Ashley Eddy, Shawnee Mission East Senior, is one of four students from Kansas City Metro who recently received national recognition for her passion of STEM, which of course stands for science, technology, engineering, and math. For her passion of STEM, winning the Girls Living STEM Award from the National STEM Learning Ecosystem. Eddie will be recognized by the Mid-America Regional Council during the annual Workforce and Education Summit on December 4th at the Kauffman Foundation Conference Center. Congratulations to Ashley. You may have uh, had a chance to check out uh, a new portion of our website called Information Central. This was launched last week. This is a place where our patrons can find, and you, can find breaking news, up-to-date information about strategic planning and negotiations, and answers to questions about current hot topics. And this new site, this new site is part of our ongoing commitment to accurate and timely information about the work of the district. And uh, that includes, by the way, something was added today, which is the district's packet of uh, documentation for the fact-finding process. The document, along with supporting documentation, is found online there. We have some paper copies over there for those that have interest. And so that's a good place to follow along with information. We'll add to that site, by the way, things like demographic data of the district and other uh, important information in the, year, in the months and years ahead. And then finally, as noted later in the agenda, we are approving an increase of $45 for all staff for insurance to offset the increased cost of insurance. You know, the board initiated this and uh, to make sure that all staff were not unduly burdened with their insurance costs. And we entered into an agreement with NEA to do that for all teachers as well. And, and, and of course, this is part of the ongoing negotiations process, but uh, that will be approved later in the agenda. With that, oh yeah, yeah, two more. With that, we have two more. This was, uh, we had a great event Saturday night, and that was at the Kansas Teacher of the Year Banquet. Colleagues, family, di district administrators, and Board of Education members traveled to Wichita this past Saturday to celebrate Shawnee Mission's two nominees. North High School teacher Natalie Johnson and Corinth Elementary teacher Melissa Monte, who Monte, yeah, sorry, Multini, sorry, who was one? I know that. <laughs> Thank you. Who was one of? She was Melissa was one of eight finalists for Kansas Teacher of the Year, and although. Another person won that award. In our hearts, Melissa's number one. And represents all the great things, along with Natalie, of what it means to be an educator in the Shawnee Mission School District. So congratulations to them. We're very proud of what they do. Now it's time to recognize our Shawnee Mission All-Stars.
One of our honorees is out of town and will be recognized next month. But tonight, we're delighted to celebrate this month's honoree for his outstanding work. So I'm going to invite Scott Sherman, Principal of Shawnee Mission East, to introduce our all-star honoree. Thank you. Good evening. It's my honor and privilege to introduce Annie Gibbs as a Shawnee Mission School District All-Star. Mr. Gibbs is an outstanding educator both in the classroom and as our tennis coach. Not only does he teach AP English with great results, he has the same academic success in his co-taught classes. Mr. Gibbs' level of commitment to success of all students is an example of his leadership in our building and in our community. Mr. Gibbs has the highest of character and integrity as evident by the recent tennis state co-championship this fall in girls tennis. With Mr. Gibbs as a persistent advocate for our students and a flawed tiebreaker, it was determined that Shiny Mission East and Blue Valley North are co-champions in the end by Keisha. Um, this is something that Mr. Gibbs worked long and hard on doing. As a quick, quick example of how he goes above and beyond um, for our students, tennis is traditionally a cut sport, but Mr. Gibbs believes in student participation. This school year, Shiny Mission East had 129 girls play tennis in the fall. He works long and hard to have all players play at least a minimum of two matches. Team members played in 705 individual matches this year for East. This is a credit to Mr. Gibbs' commitment to our students having an outstanding experience with tennis. So credit to Mr. Gibbs on that. Video. On to the video. There is no question that Coach Andy Gibbs is an all-star in my eyes. The guy uh, coaches with, with integrity and class. He has passion for the sport. For somebody to allow 131 girls to go out for a sport where you have limited number of matches that you can play in is nothing short of amazing. It's clear to all of us that he really cares about us and our results and not even specifically the results, but also like how we act as, a, as players and sportsmanship obviously is really important to him. You know, he wants what's best for us and he's willing to put in the time and effort to help us get to where we want to be. He's got a very strong work ethic. He's very upfront with the students. He makes sure they know where they stand, how they can improve. He's just willing to go the extra mile for all the kids. We were tied in games with Blue Valley North and we they had to go to go to the rule book to look at the tie-breaking scores. We had to go to the third uh, tie-break, and they announced Shawnee Mission East the winner. They came back, discovered an error, declared Blue Valley North the winner, um, and then a week or two later, they declared us both co-champions. He absolutely won on that Saturday night with integrity and class and showed the spirit of sportsmanship when he was announced after the third tiebreaker procedure was done as the, the state champ and Blue Valley North was second. When he turned around and looked at the girls from Blue Valley North and said, please come over here and take a picture with us with the first place trophy because in our eyes we are co-champs after two days of play. Congrats from all the six of us because we all really appreciate all the work you put in this whole season. With your coaching ability, your coaching 
at a high level in tennis. You, you coach at a high level in the classroom, and we very much appreciate what you do. Coach Gibbs, I would like to congratulate you on a very much-deserved award and honor. It's a great award that the Shawnee Mission School District gives out. And it's going to um, a great man and a man of character and class. Congratulations. You just really deserve to be here. You're an amazing coach, and we all love you so much. Mr. Gibbs has been named 2019 USTA Heart of America High School Coach of the Year. And I'm proud that I know and work with him. And I want to thank his wife and his daughters who aren't here this evening for allowing them to share him with us. So I want to just congratulate Andy Gibbs as uh, Shawnee Mission School District All-Star. notes disappeared. That's all right. Um, one of the things that uh, I tell my parents uh, when they come into uh, my classroom on meet the teacher night at the beginning of the year is that uh, if you went back uh, to the 1995-96 um, South Bend, Indiana LaSalle basketball um, high school program, you would see my picture and next to it it would say that um, I, I wanted to be a teacher and a coach. Um, this is what I've, what I've always wanted to do. Um, and one of the things that I'm fortunate uh, to, have, to have done is this is, I don't, I don't know, the sixth different school, I think, that I've, um, that I've been fortunate enough to, um, to, to teach in and, and to coach in. And all the way, um, I've, had, I've been blessed uh, to work with great colleagues um, who, whether that is uh, in their classes, on their court, on their field, um, in front of their uh, musicians, um, on the stage, uh, that, that, that they show this same kind of level of commitment. And so I'm a little bit uh, certainly humbled uh, because I know just how great of people uh, that I'm fortunate to work with and as great of um, people and teachers and, and mentors um, that my three girls uh, get to um, get to have. Uh, and so thank you for this recognition. Thank you for this honor. You know, I want to add something real quick. As, as, uh, if you could just stay for just a second, <laughs> if you don't mind. You know, as, as the state was going through this process of de trying to determine whether they're going to have one, one school as a champion or the other school or co-champions, it was brought to my attention because, you know, at some point they might ask the superintendent to weigh in on it. And uh, so I had an opportunity to see your line of argumentation about why. There should be co-champions. And I was absolutely blown away by not just the persuasive power of what you wrote, but more importantly, the spirit with which you did it. You know, it's easy to make a claim that you're the state champion, which you were. It's harder 
to say, you know what? We have two great teams here. Both are worthy of being honored in this way. And uh, when they asked my opinion, I said, I think we go with what the coach wants. Because he's right. So thank you. Thank you for what you do for kids, but also thank you for your leadership and showing care and compassion for not just these tennis players, but for tennis players throughout the region and the state, no doubt. Thanks for all you do. I'll conclude my report by, again, just wishing everybody a very healthy and happy Thanksgiving. And I hope you enjoy a little time off with your family. Thank you. Now we move on to board reports. And our first item up is uh, SMAC uh, PTA. Mrs. Mack, any update? Uh, no update. All right. Thank you. Uh, Mrs. Owsley, the foundation. Um, foundation met, I believe it was a week ago. And they have implemented their own strategic plan. Um, although it is significantly shorter than ours, it's about three pages, but it's in line with our strategic plan, focusing on um, equity and um, meeting the needs of students so that they can be successful. And that's about it for now. All right, thank you. And uh, next up is uh, KASB, our board of directors, Reverend Guy. Uh, just a reminder, if, so everybody knows the annual convention is a week and a half away and um, there are pre-conference workshops happening on Friday and KASB has especially been trying to encourage people to sign up for the poverty simulation that's going to be Friday afternoon. I know I'm signed up for that um, and if any of you have are free on Friday afternoon and haven't done that, apparently um, people who have gone through that say it's really incredible and does definitely help uh, change the way you think about the families who live in poverty within our own districts. So I'm planning to do that. Uh, I believe our two new board members are planning to do the foundations of boardmanship uh, starting Friday morning. So they'll they'll be there that day as well. And um, so so if you haven't registered for a pre-conference and you're available, I encourage you to look at those and see if you might be able to fit one of those in as well. Thank so. you. And uh, next is our legislative and government relations with KSB, Dr. Sinclair. Uh, no new report. We meet December 8th. Okay. All right. Thank you. And then policy review, our committee of the board, and uh, Mrs. Goodburn. We have two policies for your consideration, 501 and 502, later in the meeting. All right. Thank you. And um, legislative platform committee, uh, this has been recently assembled, and I'll turn to Dr. Sinclair for an update. Um, this is, will be part of our regular board meeting. I just would like to say that we did meet for the first time. So this is a newly, newly established board committee. Um, we met on Tuesday, November 19th. And just um, as a reminder, so the committee members or those folks who attended were myself, um, Ms. Zila, Ms. Owsley, um, Dr. Fulton, Mr. Smith. Um, I believe Dr. Atha had some input um, and then um, Dr. Little and um, Mallory Lutz, who is a staff member of our lobbyist. Mm -hmm. right. We'll look for that report in a little bit. Okay. And uh, one other uh, reminder for folks, uh, we 
put together the Finance and Facilities Committee. That group is ready to begin, and the first step is to recruit folks to volunteer for that committee. And an application process has been developed, and watch very soon. We will have that uh, application posted to the website so people can begin to apply to be considered for membership to the newly created Facilities and Finance Committee of the district. And so next, we move on to legislative update. And uh, Dr. Fulton, I'll turn to you to introduce our guest. Yes, um, I want to invite Stuart Little forward. So, works on behalf of Shawnee Mission with the with the legislature. So, good evening, um, Mr. President, Board Members, Dr. Fulton. Um, I'm Stuart Little with Little Government Relations in Topeka. There are 49 days until the legislative session begins. Not that anybody's counting, but they will uh, arrive in Topeka. Uh, and begin work um, seven weeks from tonight. Um, I'm going to give you a brief overview of a variety of issues that have come up over the course of the last couple of months, and it'll kind of lay the context for some of the discussion that you'll have about your legislative platform, trying to connect some of the policy discussions up with what some of the decisions you all will be making going forward, and kind of what, what are we looking at now, kind of at the post-Gannon era after the decision in June, and the watching for the, the phase-in of the last three years of the funding to get us back to 2009 adequacy, I would note, that we'll be making, uh, we'll be watching a variety of those issues and lots of policy things are going to come up. I'm going to hit a couple of highlights. You have my legislative report at, or, and it should also be uh, on, posted online if it has not already as all of my reports are. So in the big picture, some of the issues that are coming up, I won't dig deeply into to many of them, but to hit a couple of the highlights. We've had a pretty active discussion about medical marijuana, frankly, this summer and watching what's been going on in surrounding states may make that more of a significant issue policy-wise coming up next legislative session. Medicaid expansion, there's been a new bill sponsored by some Republicans in the Senate to expand Medicaid and from the wide variety of folks that are watching Medicaid expansion, uh, we're now having discussions and meetings about how it would happen, not whether or not we do it. So I think there's a lot of energy behind what's going on. Still many hurdles to go, but it certainly has more life than it has uh, in in quite a while. Um, there's been a bill drafted by a variety of advocacy organizations regarding uh, Tobacco 21, statewide policy that would follow some of the local jurisdictional decisions that have been made about uh, raising the age of purchasing tobacco and tobacco products up to 21. There will be a bill with a lot of support uh, and a variety of folks introduced to and, and, and separate or combined with that, there will likely to be some action about vaping, about flavored uh, electronic cigarettes, those kinds of things. So a lot of those are going to get tied up into a part of a conversation. I'll talk briefly about money. The legislature, the state, ended the last fiscal year on June 30th of, last, of this year with a significant amount of revenue after the tax policies were passed in 2017. Revenue coming in, we had a, a, a near about a billion dollars in revenue. They did revenue estimates uh, in November and the revenue projections are for adding another $523 million over the next two years for revenue, which means the state has is, is bringing revenue in, you know, looking in the out years, paying back the money that was borrowed from KDOT, paying back the money that was leveraged against capers and all those kinds of things. Those are state costs that are going forward. But what those kinds of balances do is get people excited to talk about two things. What more can we do with the money? And number two, what can we do to reduce taxes? And those are two uh, forces at work in Topeka and we'll be watching those because this kind of revenue uh, creates uh, a, a, a strong desire to do 
some of the things that have been delayed for a number of years, but it also begins to, to cause some issues with regard to, uh, to how much money is coming into the state. I think we're going to have a pretty significant discussion next legislative session about property taxes, appraisals, valuations, those kind of things, particularly commercial property. And if you've seen some of the uh, news accounts over the summer, what's going on with commercial property, there's going to be a lot of folks that will be very interested in talking about that, particularly because, as we all know, next year is an election year for the legislature. Um, I included in the report I sent along to you as well some issues that the State Board of Edu State Department of Education has dealt with over the last uh, couple of months, particularly in their October and November meetings, started adopting, uh, they'll take a vote next month on a on uh, banning uh, vaping in schools or whether they'd leave that up as a lo local issue that you all would be able to make a decision on. Uh, there's been obviously action going on related to jewels and, and su suing those folks by a variety of school districts. Um, the, uh, the, there are going to be some recommendations that the, that the State Board has already received about dyslexia and some of the results of the two-year dyslexia task force. The bullying task force is going to meet tomorrow, I believe, and come in and, and do some final comments. So there's going to be a lot of those kinds of policy issues that the State Board's been weighing on. And for the first time ever, they, I included in the packet that I sent with you all a copy of the State Department of Education's legislative platform. They have uh, done that for the first time, and it lists a long list of issues. Many of those you'll see overlap with things that are on the, the district's draft platform that you'll have for consideration. The, the last thing I would note in my report is um, the Kansas Association of School Board Boards has put their uh, preliminary draft legislative agenda together, and that'll be finalized at their meeting, I think, that you all discussed already. And uh, you all had representation on putting this together, and they're talking about some of the priorities that we're going to see on our platform funding the Gannon decision for the next three years, which is about $100 million a year in base aid rolling out over the next three years. Um, talking about, uh, again, electronic nicotine delivery, bullying, uh, Medicaid expansion is on their legislative platform as well. And so there's a, there's a lot of uh, funding and finance issues out there that will have an impact on what we do. Most important, first and foremost, is ensuring that the, the court retain jurisdiction on the Gannon decision and their decision in June and that we'll be keeping an eye on this for the next three years. We've got some specific things we're interested in doing, but ensuring that in particular that funding comes forward to get us back up again to 2009 adequacy is where we'd be after three more years. I'd be happy to answer some questions. I'll be around after Board Member uh, Sinclair and you all have a conversation about the platform to answer any questions. Questions now. Yes, Mrs. Mack. Dr. Little for being here. I have a question. Um, as you know, our school district, we only receive about 65% of our um, special, uh, special services and education of our excess costs. There's a wide var uh, variance across the whole state. Some districts get over 100%. We're at 65%. If we got our full reimbursement, we would have about another $11.5 million in Shawnee Mission. Talking about the state revenue that you did, is there a concerted effort within the legislature to revisit the reimbursement of excess costs? 
Well, it is, it is a big issue, and it's one of those issues that frankly was not ignored, but kind of took a back seat to the adequacy and equity issues. I think there's some equity issues involved in this as well, but it was in some ways set aside for the last seven years in the Gannon decision in terms of are we adequately and equitably funding the system and using the measures about base state aid per pupil and foundational funding and those kind of things. So it, it, it has not been dealt with, and it is not actually 100. There are some that are over 200%. And the, what they're receiving at those costs down to a low, and I think the 40s. And so there's an incredibly wide range of of how the system benefits uh, districts and makes resources available to serve kids. And so it is part of what the conversation we're, we're focused on. I would suspect that there will be um, obviously some folks who feel like they've spent a lot of state revenue into the school finance system. There may be some hesitation to go forward again. There may be a lot of conversation about how do we narrow the range of the um, uh, of, of how far we're underpaying and how far we're over reimbursing them paying reimbursing some districts over and under and kind of narrowing that gap because that would force more revenue into the middle and given where we are that would be beneficial to us and so it is a touchy sensitive subject but it is a uh, it is it has been one that has been ignored frankly since at least the last ten years I, I hate I'm gonna follow up real quick because we're always in the bottom ten. Um, and so we're one of the larger districts in the state, and yet we're in the bottom 10 for that. And they try to reimburse 92%. That's the target, correct? Correct. And we're around 65 in the mid-60%. It makes no, I, I guess I'm, I have a hard time understanding why it's such a touchy subject. If they're supposed to reimburse us, they should reimburse us. Correct. Well, absolutely. And if there if there was revenue, it would be plugged into that be plugged into that form, and then we would be reimbursed. If you're going to do it without money, it involves taking some money away from somebody else or re well, which, which happened to us in June. They took right. four almost four hundred thousand right. dollars out of our budget that we had thought we were going to get in June. Four hundred thousand dollars. Right. Other board member questions regarding Dr. Little and his report. Yes, Dr. Sinclair. Um, Thank you for this summary. I would uh, first a comment. I would encourage you to kind of read through the highlight of the KASB um, platform. Uh, you didn't. Um, I would say you had a better job of doing forest for the trees. I think my report has been focused on what we spent the most time talking on. You did a nice overview of kind of hitting the highlights of the issues that KASB identified. So thank you. I just wanted to call that to your attention. Um, I have two questions, one about um, the vaping and then one about ACTs. So there's a couple of different ways that the legislature might come and address issues around um, vaping. And one of the things we've talked about as a board is looking at support for cessation programs. Do you get a sense that that will percolate to the top of the conversation so that as there are because I saw there is, you know, there is efforts to remove punitive efforts towards um, minors purchasing tobacco and e-cigarettes. But as we're working as a district to help kids stop using them, there are those who are very addicted. And so that kind of that importance of having that cessation program support, I think, will be as important as limiting access. Right. I think that is an important component of what folks are having a conversation about. It Will that be part of it? And and um, I hate to to say this, but you, you probably have read enough, and this is something that the, the last meeting is when we were talking about the Tobacco 21 legislation, is that um, actually 
to cigarette smoking is going back up after people figured out the the the, the reality of the the, uh, the the real impact of, of vaping, and so at the, the cessation is, is addressing that either whatever the the system of delivery may be, and so that people are recognizing. I think that's going to be an important part of. Good. I mean, folks are going to need to say where they want about in terms of what you, it should be, what you believe would be available and accessible. But I think cessation is going to be a big part of that. Thank you. Well. Um, I wait to ask my second question. No, um, go ahead. Okay, um, and then. Um, do you have any insights as to why there was a postponement to look at the AC, the, that ACT, 10th grade, 11th grade state assessment? What were some of the main issues that were being discussed in that postponement? I know I'm kind of asking you to... Well, and I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to probably exhaust my uh, expertise here very quickly, but this, in some ways, this came out, I think, at the same time the state board, in, uh, with regard to potentially substituting the ACT test for that, for that last assessment, and it came out at the same time that they also, well, along with the Board of Regents, started talking about the overlapping of courses between the Board of Regents and what might be provided and paid for and those kind of things between, and I think they all of a sudden realized there were a lot of things on the plate, so I'm not sure that there was necessarily because there were there was a lot of active engagement on both of these topics like okay. hey where are we going what do we think where are we headed next and so I think it probably is postponed for the uh, kind of uh, diversity of other issues that have come up okay. as much as anything controversial I guess or okay. specific thank you. thank you for the report sure. Mrs. Owsley um, on the dyslexia committees the adoptions of their recommendations um, one, as an aside, I want to say thank you to Christine Sousley Middleton, who's a mom from the Shawnee Mission School District, who really helped push for that change, and that was a great job that she did. Um, and I'm happy that the board adopted their recommendations, but do you know if there are any, um, is there any awareness about what the price may be associated with some of the recommendations and if the legislature will be considering that? That was one of the things we, we didn't touch on that, and I just thought of recently. Well, I, I, I can't answer that question right now. I think you're right that so many of these things are policy changes that I don't know that I could, I know I can't answer that question. Now, they're meeting on the 9th, uh, a week from, two weeks from today. They'll be having their uh, a meeting, and so that's one thing that we'll be making sure we're watching, and we'll maybe even have some chats with the people to, to make sure that question is asked. That might be helpful. So. Thank you. Sure. Other board member questions for Dr. Little? None. Thank you very much. Thank and you. Now we'll turn to uh, item 2.04 to continue the conversation around legislative platform. Uh, Dr. Fulton will introduce our next guest. I will. You know, last year this time, Dr. Atha would have been, was our uh, district legislative liaison. David Smith is assuming that role this year. Uh, as you recall, when Dr. Atha became deputy superintendent, he took most of his duties with him, but he couldn't take all of them. And so we took some of those duties and spread them around because we eliminated his position after he left, so it wasn't replaced as part of cost-cutting measures. So David Smith is now serving as our district legislative liaison, and uh, both these gentlemen have a lot of experience. I know he, he played that role in a previous district, and we're glad that you're you're in that role. So he's going to bring forward our our overview of our proposed legislative platform with support from the committee members. Good evening, board. Um, to begin, 
this platform will look in some ways similar to what we've had previously, but we've done a little bit of rearranging. Dr. Little mentioned one of the things that's changed this year is the first year post-Gannon, where the, the school funding case has been settled. It's also the first year of our new strategic plan. So we've tried to frame this in terms of the objectives of the strategic plan, because everything we do must be focused on reaching those objectives. Also wanted to organize that we have a lot of items in our platform, wanted to organize it so that it would help those reading the platform to understand the different, different areas that we're focused on. So we're focused on school finance, the health, safety, and social and emotional well-being of students and staff, support for rigorous academic standards for all students, and broadly speaking, support for public schools. Uh, school finance, some of these are similar uh, our, our first objective is to protect the authority of the Kansas Constitution. As you all know, Article 6 of the Constitution states that it is a state responsibility, the education of all children, and that is a critical part of the Constitution and of the continued growth and well-being of the state. So we want to make sure that we protect that. We do have a new school finance formula and direction from the, the court that has been agreed to. We are going to continue to push and make sure that the formula is fully funded through all of the years. As you know, they added an inflationary adjustment, so we need to make sure that, that the money continues to be allocated for that purpose. Um, one of the, the challenges we're facing in this coming year is that the uh, legislation that provided funding for high density at risk is scheduled to sunset. We would like to see all of the sunsets removed from the formula so that we can have continued and stable funding. We'll be arguing for that. Dr. Little spoke about special education funding and Ms. Mack, you, you asked a question about that. That's certainly on our agenda. If there are any mandates, both from the federal government as well as from the state, we want to make sure that those are fully funded. We also, one of the things, and it's in our preamble to our platform, we advocate for Shawnee Mission, but we're also connected to the education of all children in this state, and we want to, want to make sure that the proposals that come forward do support the education of all children. So while we would argue for increased flexibility at the local level with some funding, we also want to make sure that that's equalized so that all districts have access to that. Um, we want to make sure that our teaching, teaching staff and other staff are supported by making sure that the additional money that is currently available goes to things like supporting restoring funding for CAPERS and fully funding CAPERS going forward. Um, and then uh, Dr. Little also mentioned the issue around property taxes and some challenges to that that we want to make sure that we address. In the area of health, safety, and social and emotional well-being, um, it's something that is it's one of our objectives. We have an objective that states that every student will develop interpersonal skills to be an engaged, empathetic member of the local and global community. It's also in the Kansans Can. There's a, there's a, a, a an objective there that talks about measuring social and emotional growth at the local level. So it's something that we're very much concerned with both here in Shawnee Mission and across the state. So we have uh, six different uh, items in our plan that talk about social and emotional well-being, including uh, access to additional funds for mental health and well-being and behavioral services. Well, we talked earlier about tobacco legislation or anti-tobacco legislation. Um, a couple things about school bus stop arm violations, uh, flexibility to implement policies around bullying and dyslexia, 
after the two task forces that dealt with those issues. There's a whole area of things that aren't directly related to schools, but have a lot to do with the well-being of our students and families, including Medicaid expansion that was talked about earlier, repealing some of the uh, restrictions on the SNAP program, Supplemental Nutritional Assistance Program, but also um, maximizing the use of TANF funding so that our families can have the resources they need to uh, thrive and, and to, to be supported. Um, in the areas of uh, support for rigorous academic standards for all students, um, obviously this is a focus around, one of our objectives is around college and career readiness. I think the one I want to highlight here has to do with our support for a state assessment system that is more meaningful and that provides timely and meaningful feedback for students, that supports their growth towards college and career readiness, and that also meets the state and federal requirements. Um, Dr. Fulton, in his previous work, has been a leader in this work, and we'd like to see some of those things happen here in Kansas so that we can have an assessment system that leads to growth and improvement for all students. And then the last area is broadly categorized as support for public schools. We know we've seen in the past some items such as vouchers, things that remove funding from public schools that benefit all children and target them towards uh, private entities or towards some children. We'd like to see those repealed and pushed back. We also want to make sure that we protect your authority as a local school board as well as the state board's authority. Um, we believe that public schools function best when the people who are closest to them have the ability to make the decisions on what is best for students. So we want to make sure that we protect your authority. So there are 21 items um, and I'm certainly willing to stand for any questions you have about them. Great, thank you. And I'll turn to Dr. Sinclair to see if you'd like to add to the process that developed this with your committee. Sure. Um, thank you for that um, overview. I'm excited about this platform structure. Um, I think it communicates nicely the priorities and, and the rationale where those priorities came from, linking them to the strategic plan, linking them to the Constitution and the state standards from our Department of Education. So thank you for integrating those. Um, a couple additional comments, just um, thinking about how this compares to last year. Um, I believe we carried forward all of the priorities except one, and that was number three around Gannon. And as that was, that resolution was passed, it's embedded in currently in kind of number two of fully implementing that um, uh, decision. Uh, we, tech, we added about eight priorities new from, from last year, and those are really mostly embedded around um, the uh, health and, um, what did we end up calling that, around the health, safe, health safety, social, emotional well-being is where most of the new ones that are articulated there. Not new topics to us, but newly articulated in our platform. Um, uh, another uh, component that I think it's worth sharing is that when kind of collectively the committee members that came into the discussion, I think we all had done, one of us had at least done some review in looking at related legislative platforms in, um, as we were considering our own. So there was a reflection on the, on the newly established platform by, by the Kansas Department of Education, as well as to the um, other platforms um, Kansas Association of School Boards, um, KNEA, Kansas PTA, other area districts. Um, those pieces I think were also considered. 
um, as we were reviewing our own. Um, and the only last piece, I think there was some discussion given to some of the items we thought might be of greater priority. Um, they kind of are reflected at the top of each of those sections. It might be helpful for us as we move into um, the uh, joint meeting with the other Johnson County area school districts. Um, but really one of the impetus of moving forward with this platform today, even though it is a working document, we do have a meeting coming up with our legislators December 5th. So it would be good to have a, an agreement, a comfort level with uh, a platform. So we're prepared for that discussion. All right. Thank you for that additional update. I'll turn to board members for questions about the document. As a reminder, we'll be considering it for a final approval later in the meeting. Questions about the platform for 2020? I just have Mrs. a comment Elam. to make. Um, one thing that Mary mentioned that we are getting together with our legislators soon. We are also getting together with the other five school districts in Johnson County so that hopefully as a larger entity, we can come together and have a bit more voice and find some priorities that we all have in common, which I think there's a lot within our platform that we will find that is recurring in all of their platforms as well. So I think that will be a great new impetus that we have in the legislature. Thank you. Other board members, questions about the platform? Mrs. Mack. I know you're asking for questions, but I just want to comment, because Mr. Smith is standing there, that I really appreciate the positive nature of our platform, and I've worked in this legislation area in the last um, several years, and it's a great platform. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, Mrs. Goodburn. Um, Mr. Smith, number three, the Renew the High Density At-Risk Funding, um, that's supposed to sunset after, this, after the next year, right? That's correct. What's the impact to the district if that sunsets? I think it's about a million dollars. Okay. Thank you. And to sunset when? Uh, June 30, 2020. Okay. Thank you. Other questions? All right. Thank you for your work thank on this you. and thank you for the update. Uh, we now move on to the uh, finan board finance report and I'll turn to Dr. Fulton to introduce uh, our speaker. Yes. Uh, Russ Knapp, our chief financial officer, is going to provide a monthly update. Yeah, good oh. evening. Um, the board financial reports are attached to your board docs for your review. They are through the first quarter, October, uh, for fiscal year 20. Um, one of the things, one of the two items that we have been watching kind of early on is student transportation, and so far so good with that. It's, it's tracking um, our budget amount. And the other item is utilities. Um, actually, the utilities so far through the first quarter are slightly less than budget, which is great news. Um, but be cautious that our winter months really determine what our utilities are going to be. So we really won't have a good estimate for you uh, until next March on utility costs, but we're off to a good start with those. Uh, in the other areas, um, there's really nothing else to report. There's no uh, big exceptions one way or the other. And I'll stand for any questions on the, the financial report. All right, thank you for that report. Board member questions. Yes, Mrs. Owsley. Um, so I know you said we don't have anything unusual to report, but there's been some additional sub-expenditures. Is there a dollar amount with that that we need to be aware of? Or At this particular time, compared to uh, last year at this time, we're running about $60,000 more based on our invoices that we've received so far to date. Okay, thank yeah. you. 
Other board member questions? Thank you for the update. Appreciate it. Very rarely does the chief financial officer get applause, so congratulations. <laughs> but it might be because we're moving on to section 2.06. And that is uh, our evening's public comment section, so I'll provide it. I'll provide a quick update on the procedures here within the meeting and we'll invite our guests forward. Uh, public comment occurs at regular scheduled Board of Education meetings to provide an opportunity for individuals to address the board rec during the regular board meetings to discuss school district issues. Here are a few reminders to help speakers to, for them to have a constructive and positive experience when presenting comments to the board. When making your remarks, please proceed to the podium when your name is called and share your name, city of residence, what school or schools your children attend, if that's applicable, and the name of any group or organization you happen to be representing. We'll ask that you limit your remarks to three minutes. In consideration of everyone's time, please select the group spokesperson to represent the interests you may have, or you may choose to pass when your name is called if the previous spoke speaker has expressed similar concerns. Written comments and materials will be accepted and should be provided to the board clerk for distribution. We ask that you provide eight copies for distribution. Uh, please make sure your comments are made from the podium. And a reminder that uh, complaints against students or staff should first be addressed to the administration in accordance with the board policy KN entitled complaints. If that procedure has been completed, the board will consider whether to hear such complaints in executive session in order to protect the privacy interests of the students and or staff involved. And if comments pertain to an item on the meeting's agenda, the board president may ask the superintendent or designee to address those comments at that time or when the item is up for board discussion. And lastly, generally responses from board members during public comment may be limited to clarifying questions. And with that, we'll invite our first guest forward, and that's Nikki Fosberg. Welcome. Thank you. My name is Nikki Fosberg, and I'm a resident of Shawnee, a proud resident of Shawnee. A little discouraged, but proud to be from Shawnee. I am here and share this podium with my two children. The first is my daughter, Ella, who is a freshman at Northwest, and my son, who is in sixth grade at Mill Creek Elementary. Mill Creek Elementary School teachers Ms. Taub, Ms. Farden, and Ms. Hoover touched countless children's lives during their decades of teaching. Ms. Scruton, Ms. Mendlin, and Ms. Hay, who as a team rotate and connect with 75 kids to teach and prepare them for middle school. Ms. Grace Carr and Ms. Medlin, teachers that always go the extra mile to make learning fun. Ms. Fritchie, Ms. Lubring, and Ms. Rhine always waiting to greet me with the hug that makes my day. A few of my Trail Ridge Middle School teachers, Ms. Fangman and Ms. Colburn, who put great effort into helping me decide my academic pathway, Ms. Mayfield and Mr. Fitzmaurice, who always taught with enthusiasm and pride, making it joyful to learn, my Northwest High School teachers, Ms. Brewer, Ms. Meyer, and Mr. Pabst, always seeking the betterment of me and my fellow students, Mr. Kinney and Ms. Lukes, who make the classroom feel like a family, Mr. King and Ms. Massey, who taught me how to find my voice so that I may be here today. 
While this list is long, it is not all-encompassing. There have been office and lunchroom staff, aides and specials teachers, and even teachers that have just simply crossed paths with my kids that have impacted them greatly. To you, these may be just a group of mundane names. To us, they are a group of people that we could never thank enough. They are people that have given of their time and of their hearts to make my children the wonderful people they are. This is a group of people that our family has prayed for around the dining room table and cheered about when we heard our kiddo received them for the upcoming year. This list is a group of people that are embedded in our hearts forever. I'm sure that hundreds of parents could stand here and give you a very similar list. They could rattle off the importance of each teacher that's had some impact on their children. Teachers that have made such a difference that words can never be adequate or eloquent enough to express. So bored. While you consider the negotiations before you, I ask that you think of these names. Remember each of them as these kids have read them. I ask that you don't look at this with eyes seeking out numbers. I ask you think of these names, these teachers, and the hundreds like them. I ask that you think of these kids, my kids, and the thousands like them. Please come to a resolution and come to it quickly. Please do right by our teachers, because that's doing right by our kids. These teachers deserve better. These kids deserve better. Thank you. Thank you for your comments, and thank you for coming forward. We appreciate that. Any board members with any questions? Thank you for being here. Next, we invite Samantha Feinberg. Welcome. My name is Samantha Feinberg. I live in Prairie Village. I've been a teacher in the district since 2005. I'm a strategic plan committee member, a former district student, and one of the organizers of the gathering of teachers, elected officials, community members, students, and parents who stood together in solidarity outside of this building before the board meeting began this week and on November 11th. Thank you. <laughs> I need all my time. I am also a district parent with three students in district programs. I'd like to offer gratitude for my children's talented and devoted teachers, Mrs. Lash, Mrs. Schutz, Mrs. Howard at Prairie, and Miss Shelley and Miss Carroll at Little Horizons. They work tirelessly on behalf of our children. Dozens have addressed you in this forum in recent weeks, and dozens of others have addressed you by phone and email in recent weeks. Today I deliver more messages. These boxes down here, I'll hold them up in a minute, which I will leave with Miss Wintering, are filled with heartfelt notes to teachers from students, parents, and community members. To give you a sense here, here are just a few brief excerpts. I'm thankful for all three of my band teachers, Mr. Talley, Ms. Eichmann, Mr. Mrs. Sneed. They all work so hard to make our marching show look amazing and for our music to sound great. I'm thankful for my son's ELA teacher at Trail Ridge, Mr. Carter. He's such a dynamic teacher. He cares so much about the kids. He purchased new books with his own money for them to read. Thank you to Mrs. Walker for introducing me to the subject of psychology. I never really knew what I was passionate about until I took AP Psych. I'm now going to college to study psychology because of you. I'm thankful to Mr. Wagoner. I'm a senior now, and I still remember how wonderful my sixth grade teacher is. 
I'm thankful for my biology teacher, Mrs. Demke. Not only is she great at teaching, but she always makes us laugh and brightens everyone's day. I'm thankful for my English teacher, Mr. Pabst. He facilitates important questions in class and spends hours upon hours helping students with essays or writing letters of recommendation. We teachers are our district's greatest asset. Educators enter the profession of teaching to facilitate learners' growth and development. We do it because we care about students and families we work with. We care about our community and want to guide our future citizens to be productive and thoughtful members of society. We don't do it for the money, recognition, or promotion. We're asking you to allow us to do our jobs by staffing district buildings in a way so that we can thrive under improved work conditions. We're asking you to compensate us in a way that is commensurate with our depth of skill, effort, and commitment, and so that we can support ourselves and provide meaningfully to our families. Last May, I came to you and presented a letter with hundreds of signatures from my secondary colleagues imploring you to budget in a way that allowed buildings to be staffed so that secondary teachers could teach five and not six sections. The May before that, I extended a public invitation from this podium to each board member to visit my classroom on a plain old school day to get back into the schools and get back in touch with what the day-to-day -day business of teaching and learning are about. Not one board member at that time responded. Not one. I imagine the Briarwood teacher who made the same request here two weeks ago received a similar response. Dozens and dozens of other community members have addressed you here, sent you emails, left you voicemails, and all anyone has received is silence. We get the feeling you're not hearing us. So these boxes are also filled with notes from students, parents, teachers, and community members addressed to you, our school board. The most notable thing about the board at this point has been its silence and stony stares. You know me. I know you. I worked with a couple of you on the strategic planning committee. I taught your children. I sponsored a leadership activity in which they participated. I know that several of you don't think the way these negotiations are going down is respectful or honorable. I beg you, speak up. Stand with your district's greatest asset, your devoted educators. Imagine Thank you for your a comments. I'm sorry, I have to wrap up. I okay. appreciate your comments tonight. Any board member questions? And thank you for your input. We appreciate it. Thank you. Next, we invite Jen Fesco. Welcome. Good evening. My name is Jen Fesco. I live in Overland Park. I went to Shawnee Mission Schools. My children are currently at Oak Park Carpenter. I am a bodyguard, safety patrol, a crisis manager, a moderator, a mediator, a data processor, an analyst, a shoulder to cry on, a meal maker, a social director, a parent contactor, a job reference, a career advisor, a social worker, an administrator, a nurse, a babysitter. I'm loved and I'm hated. I'm their mom and dad. I'm a worrier. I'm a mentor. I'm a confidant, I'm a protector, I'm a psychologist and a psychiatrist, I'm a counselor, I'm an activist, a nurturer, a motivator, a multitasker, I'm a drug counselor, I'm a friend, I'm an encourager, I'm a scheduler, I'm their supervisor, a trainer, a tutorer, a supporter, a resource provider, an instructional specialist, curriculum specialist, classroom supporter, learning facilitator, and I'm a learner, but I'm a leader. I've had five SROs in five years. This past week, I was hurt by a student. It was not the first time. 
I hear about other teachers in our district being hurt every single day, grade school through high school. Sometimes I don't feel safe, and neither do some of my coworkers. And with everything I mentioned, I go to school every day because I love my students. The biggest thing missing from anything that I mentioned above is that I'm a teacher. I'm a teacher. You didn't hear that. And I do all that every day besides teaching. I'm a teacher at Horizons High School. Think about that and never mentioned it. Dr. Fulton, I'm begging you to figure out a way to provide a little support to your teachers. You need to be all of the above that I mentioned. And unfortunately, right now, you're not that to us. One of the things I teach my student is I give them the respect that they give to me. And after 112 days, we feel disrespected. Thank you for your comments. Do any board members have any questions? Thank you. Next, we invite Sierra Laddish. Welcome. Um, hi, my name is Sierra Laddisic. I live in Shawnee, and I attend Shawnee Mission Northwest High School as an international baccalaureate diploma student. I am here on behalf of the student body, supporting the teachers and our faculty throughout our Shawnee Mission schools. My experience at the SMSD schools has overall been very positive, and largely thanks to so many amazing teachers in, who have made my school and my educational environment such a positive place for my growth. There have been so many teachers that have gone the extra mile for me and so many other students to ensure not only our success in the classroom, but our growth and development as a person while enjoying the classroom environment. It breaks my heart that so many of these people who are hardworking are receiving no moral support or financial payoff for their hard work. I am a pro at being spread thin, and I am in possibly the most rigorous program that this district has to offer, and my teachers are not getting the support that they deserve from it. Over the last few days, I have interviewed many of the teachers throughout my school to gather their opinions about the topic of overcrowded classrooms. One of these teachers who has been teaching in this district for 13 years said, quote, This was supposed to be temporary. We were told that the classes would be smaller. This was supposed... My teachers are burnt out, and it is clearly affecting the love for their job and their ability to do it to the best of their capabilities. It is also affecting me and the other students of the Shawnee Missions Education Centers because we are not able to get the one-on-one -on -one attention that we need to get the help that we need for the courses that we struggle with. Another teacher who has also been teaching in this district for six years told me how there are so many times that, quote, I'm not able to teach the way that I want to teach, and I personally believe that it is from the course load and the amount of students in our classrooms. I am here because I want my teachers to love teaching as much as I love learning what they are teaching me. It's not fair that they are being burnt out and spread thin just because we live in a society that now values financial gain more than the education of the, of the individuals. If we, and I say we because this is a community of people who want the best for our school systems, if we can provide the teachers with a lighter workload, like a five instead of six hour day, 
or an extra planning period or a smaller class size, our education levels of our Shawnee Mission schools is no doubt going to increase tenfold. Yes, this will require hiring more teachers, but the Shawnee Mission schools need this to be done. When did money become more important than the education of the next generation of this America? And when did the happiness of the teachers guiding them become forsaken? Thanks. Thank you. Next, we invite Jay Moyer. Welcome. Thank you. Um, so, after last week's board meeting, I had a conversation with someone who works for the school district, and they told me that Shawnee Mission teachers are some of the highest paid teachers in the entire state of Kansas, which I didn't know at the time. I, I mean, I haven't done the research, so I don't know if it's true, but let's take his word for it, right? But these teachers get up here time and time and time again, and they tell every single one of you board members and everyone who works for the district that they don't make enough. So why does that mean that just because they're some of the highest paid teachers in the state of Kansas, that they shouldn't be making more? Because if these teachers are coming and telling you that they don't make enough to support their families, to support their children, to, to support their house or their, their food on their table or whatever, then, then why don't we give them what they need? Because I know the school district has it. And I don't think utilities are necessarily a, a good excuse. Because the school district has done it before with the budget that they had before. And the state of Kansas just gave you a raise. The state of Kansas just gave you more money to work with. So why doesn't that go to the people who are literally working the closest with the reason the school district exists? These people need to be paid. They need smaller class sizes. As an alumni of, Sh Al alumni, I said that word right, alumni of Shawnee Mission North High School, I can tell you that a class with 30 kids is not going to be as good as a class with 16 kids. My best class was when I was in IB English with seven other people, and we had some of the best discussions on the entire planet. But in a class with 30, my voice wasn't heard. I mean, yeah, I'm loud and outspoken, obviously. <laughs> Surprise. But still, in a class with that many other students, I, as a student, did not have the ability to stand up and say exactly what I needed to say all the time to get my ideas out and, and to learn. And, and it also didn't give the teacher the ability to talk to me the way the teacher needed to talk to me. So I think myself... and, and you know, I'm not, I'm not affiliated with Shawnee Mission anymore. I, as far as I'm concerned, I'm just a taxpayer, right? So my dollars are going to, to things that you guys are spending money on, like, like the Academic um, Center for Achievement or the Caw Building or like this aquatic center that I keep hearing about, that when the money could have been going to teachers who are the backbone of this school district, the taxpayers of this community are wondering what is going on with Shawnee Mission. And I think they have a good point. I think they have a really, really, really good point. So please think about that. And every single teacher that gets up here, every single parent that gets up here, every single kid that gets up here, shame on you if you don't listen to them. Shame on you if you don't think about their voices when you go to bed at night and try and figure out what the heck to do with the upcoming budget. Thank you.
Thank you. Next, we invite Sharon Hauser. Welcome. Thank you. Sharon Hauser, I live in Shawnee. I'm a teacher at East. I come here as a thankful low incidence SPED teacher. I teach the most vulnerable student population. Recently, you listened to concerned parents and made changes in the SPED department. Because you listened, because you cared, my students have more than one to one time with the trained teacher. Time they desperately need to be as successful and independent as possible. Thank you for making that difference. While you have made a difference in my ability to meet my students' needs in my classroom, the law and best practice requires our students have access to the least restrictive environment. This allows them the opportunity to be educated with their peers whenever possible. Peers help my students learn how to navigate within the community. My students reciprocate by teaching appreciation, compassion, tolerance, and acceptance to the general education students. The result? A school system that produces stronger people. Every day my co-teacher greets me. I am thankful to you because you listened and cared. There are two of us to meet our students' needs. My students have given me so much more than I have given them, but there are difficult moments each and every day in the classroom. I am thankful, but I'm confused. My students are part of the whole, whether they are difficult or not. Our students go into classrooms with general education teachers who are welcoming, despite knowing a special education student might change the dynamics of their class and their teaching plans. Our students are in classrooms with 30 to 35 students. Our students are in classrooms with teachers who only have one plan time, making it difficult for teachers to discuss my students with me, their case manager. Classroom teachers are equipped to be experts in their teaching subject. Special education teachers are equipped in strategies and are experts at meeting a student's unique needs. You listened. You made a change in my students' lives, but it wasn't complete. Please listen again and finish the path of caring you began with my students. Give teachers time to make a place for my students in their classrooms. Add a plan. Be part of making all the students better people. I'm also a greedy teacher. Greedy for future students to have the best teachers. My co-teacher is fresh out of college. She has the gift of teaching. How do I encourage her to keep teaching when she has to take extra jobs to pay her rent? My granddaughter is a Northwest senior. When she said to me, I think I want to be a teacher, I discouraged her. She would be an incredible teacher. Low incidence positions have been open in the district for over a year. They can't be filled because there are no teachers. Who will take my place when I leave? I am a greedy for those students to come. I love my students. I want them to have the best teachers. First, there are no low incidence teachers. Then there are no high incidence teachers. Then there are no teachers. Teachers are asking for a fair wage so they can continue to be there for their students. They are greedy for the students to come. I ask you to listen, as I know you can. I'm fortunate to see every day the proof of your listening and caring.
Thank you. Thank you. Next, we invite Jennifer Oberding. Welcome. Thank you. Good evening. I'm Jennifer Oberding. I'm a resident of Overland Park, and I am an involved parent and volunteer at Rose Hill Elementary. I am here this evening to ask that you continue to move forward quickly and efficiently with contract negotiations. Many feel that the primary focus is salary. While I agree that teachers should be paid fair and equitable wages, I am not here to discuss the specifics of salaries. Instead, I am here to focus on class sizes and making sure that our teachers have the resources they need to best serve our students. Rose Hill Elementary is a Title I school with nearly 550 students. Last year, my daughter was a fourth, grade, was a fourth grader whose class was maxed out at 27 students. These students include English language learners, students who live in poverty, students with IEPs, and students with 504 plans. The diversity of our student body shows that every student's need should be met with an individualized plan, which is also an initiative supported by the district's strategic plan. With 27 students in the classroom, I witnessed the teachers simply trying to teach the basics and deal with classroom disruptions. The goal of providing students with personalized learning opportunities was not achieved. I was very concerned that we would have another large class this year, but less than one week before school began, I received a call from the school office verifying that my child would be attending Rose Hill because enrollment was very close to adding another section. This process is not unusual. These verification calls are made by our office staff almost every year. This year, these calls were made regarding three different grade levels. Our class sizes should not be so high that we are constantly concerned about being over capacity and needing to add an additional section at the last minute. Fortunately, Another fifth grade section was added. Instead of having another year of 27 students in class, my daughter's class size is 21 students. The difference is drastic. Students are getting more of the personalized attention they need, and the smaller classes lead to better learning environment. Our teachers continue to go above and beyond to meet the needs of our teachers. Teachers volunteer their time for before and after school activities, such as community service club, math club, code club, and gardening club. Even the teachers who serve on our building leadership team are not compensated for their extra time. They are present for these extra activities just as they are present this evening because they truly care about our students. Our students spend a lot of time at school. They are being cared for by our teachers. The goals that are set cannot be achieved by maintaining the status quo. It is time to move forward. It is time to provide our teachers with the resources they need to support our students, the students whose lives they impact each and every day. It is time to show how much we care about our teachers. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Next, we invite Jessica Habibi Pazdar. Thank you. 
Welcome. Hi, thank you. My name is Jessica Habibi Pastar, and my daughter Layla goes to Crossview Elementary. She's in the third grade. She's incredibly smart and kind, and she loves her teachers. Layla has always been atypical, but we were not prepared for just how much her body and her brain would betray her. In first grade, we met with her teacher, and I was very nervous because I knew she was having behavioral issues. We had just started working with her doctor and had not yet seen a specialist. During our meeting, the teacher very patiently and kindly explained her concerns, excuse me, sorry, never putting Layla or her behavior down. She went above and beyond. She explained her communication methods with Layla, and I honestly left feeling like I had made a special connection. I felt like someone loved my daughter and wanted her to succeed as much as I do. Shortly after that, Layla began seeing specialists. She was diagnosed with multiple neurodevelopmental disorders. During 2018, Layla had 17 different changes in medications and would eventually be at doctors and therapists three to four times a week. She began her transition to second grade. Unfortunately, the meds and therapy were not working, and she developed crippling anxiety. She was virtually agoraphobic, except for school. And she had gone to the point where she would not, she couldn't physically wear clothing. It had to be specially tailored for her. Again, her second grade teacher worked with me, never judged, always made us feel safe, and together, her first, second grade teachers, all the teachers, came together and took Layla in as their own. One teacher came to Layla and explained that she also suffers from one of the same issues. And Layla came home from school that day so incredibly proud that one of her heroes came to her and acknowledged how hard she was working. To little kids, that's huge. Um, sorry. During this time, we were repeatedly told to get IEPs for her. She sees many specialists at Children's Mercy. She goes to KU Med. Um, we were always told, you get the IEPs, get the 504, protect your child. She does not have an IEP. She does not have a 504. She does not need it. These teachers did not need to be forced to accommodate a child that had needs. These teachers did what was in their heart. Today, Layla is happy and healthy and thriving and succeeding well in third grade. Again, her teacher communicated with me at the beginning of the year and provided Layla with loving and structured environment. And for her third year in a row, I feel like my child is spending the day with someone who loves her and wants her to succeed as much as I do. Her success is directly attributed to her school. She sees Dr. Martha Barnard, um, who is a professor, a pretty prestigious professor at KU Med, head of her department. She's actually going to send a signed letter. It just has to go through the university, directly linking Layla's condition and quick improvement to her interaction at school. So that will be coming. And again, I've signed a release, and I'm happy to sign any release if you need other documentation showing that Layla's teachers had a direct impact on how quickly she healed. Think of your darkest moment. Think of the darkest thoughts you've had in your life. Now go darker. Now try to be seven. Try to be eight. You're not with your mom all day. You have to be at school. A seven or eight-year-old in that position, who's around her, who loved her, she's sitting back there, and she's gone through all your lobbying and all the other stuff. She's sitting back there quietly because she knows how important her teachers are to her. In our darkest times, these heroes embrace not only my child, but my family. The last meeting, I was very ill, and they even offered to come help me while I was in the hospital after a long day. 
The teachers offered to come help me. When my child was in crisis and it got to the point of literal life or death, they circled her with love. They're natural nurturers and educators, and we cannot afford to lose them. Each of you have positions in which you can be replaced, with all due respect. These guys cannot be replaced. They are not disposable. And right now, our children have a mental health crisis that is just attacking them from the inside out. We cannot take away what keeps them alive. Thank you Literally. Very much. I'm not done. We enter into contracts every day of our life. When you take an Uber, you enter into a contract. When you rent a movie, you enter into a contract. So when it comes to the health of our children, why can't you just do the contract? Thank you. Anisius Howard. Annalisa, I'm sorry, Annalisa Howard. Hauser. There we go. Thank you. Welcome. Hi, my name is Annalisa Hauser. I live in Lenexa and I'm a senior at Northwest. I'm here for my teachers, and since they have spent the last 14 years or so teaching me to speak up, I'd like to return the favor. In third grade, I have a teacher I would always remember, not because she taught me how to do multiplication or how to write in cursive, but because she really got me. I was always a chatty kid, but Mrs. Canning never yelled at me. She just recognized that I was bored and knew that what I needed was to be challenged, not scolded. And she still keeps in touch to this day. In seventh grade, my science teacher, Mrs. Sands, came to my cheer competition on a Saturday morning. It wasn't even a school cheer team. She just wanted to be there for me. Sophomore year, I was struggling in math, and a fellow student told me that their teacher, Mrs. Thomas, was amazing. After never meeting her beforehand, I went to her classroom on the verge of tears after school one day, and she sat with me and helped me until I understood it. She wasn't even my teacher. Last year, I had the greatest two teachers that made AP American History and AP Language Composition fun, Mrs. Anthony and Mr. Mack. I still say hi to Mr. Mack every day in the hallway. He keeps up with my life and pays attention to his students. And just the other day, I found myself sitting in Miss Anthony's room after school because I had a random question, and I knew she'd still be there, but really, I just needed to talk to someone. My cheer coach, Renee Chambers, teaches IB math all day, yet she still works out with us first thing every morning, and she still choreographs full routines for us and still orders our uniforms and shoes and signs and somehow manages to lesson plan for higher-level math classes after staying after for our practice every day and for taking care of her three young kids. And most importantly, her door is always open. She knows about our boy drama. She listens to me when I just need to vent. My journalist advisor, Susan Massey, not only teaches us more real-life skills than imaginable, she stays at school till 7, at the earliest, twice a week to help us. Some nights it's more like 10, and she gets a call from her husband wondering why she isn't home for dinner. And it's because she's still sitting in her classroom, editing our stories, critiquing our designs, but most importantly, being like our school mom. I go to Mill Creek Elementary every day to help out in a first-grade classroom with Mrs. Knapp. I take the students in the hall and work on them with reading lists one-on-one, -on -one. and for most of them, it's the only one-on-one -on -one time they get during the week. I see that teachers struggle to keep up with an overflowing room of six-year-olds and try so hard to help them all. I see how excited the kids get about working with me because they're little and they just need some attention. I see kids getting left behind not because their teacher isn't trying, but because there's only so much she can do in an overflowing classroom. My grandma's been a teacher in Shawnee Mission for basically as long as I can remember. She teaches special ed, and every year she's been, she goes through it all. But still, she sets up with an, an amazing classroom for her students and gives them as many resources as possible. But there's only so much that she can do. Two weeks ago, at the last meeting, I sat next to a teacher who was literally grading papers while listening. And I think that says more about what teachers do for us than anything I could say. 
You've sat here and smiled and nodded through the past two meetings during public comments, and I beg of you to show some empathy. I cannot fathom how you've sat here and looked at these teachers with straight faces as they tell you their stories that have brought me to tears. Few of my peers would even recognize your name, Dr. Fulton. Many speakers have suggested that you spend a day with us, and I agree. You have to show up for us and for our teachers. Thank you. Appreciate your comments. Any board members have any questions? Thank you. Next is Christine Lamori. Welcome. I'm Kristen Lamori. I have a second and fifth grader at Benninghoven, and I'm a teacher at Shawnee Mission Northwest. I want to start by telling you that I love SMSD. I am proud to have grown up as a student in Shawnee Mission schools. I student taught in Shawnee Mission, and I have spent every one of my 15 years teaching at Shawnee Mission Northwest. When my husband and I wanted to move, we spent over a year looking for a house so that we could keep our kids in the Shawnee Mission school they loved, because even SMSD teachers don't get transfer privileges. I regularly send my government students to school board meetings and to your open house events so they can see local government in action. And when one of my master's political science courses required me to shadow an elected official, I chose to interview and profile one of your very own board members. I tell you all of this so that you understand the regard I have for this district and the regard I have for each one of you. I, uh, I want to believe that you, the board, and we, the teachers, are all on the same side. We each have a specific role to fill in this process of running a system to educate these kids, and it is all hard work. We are all in the trenches together. I worry though that doing the hard work in your own trench has not allowed you to see the toll that the current situation is taking on teachers. I have never spoken at a school board meeting before. I did not speak out years ago when our salaries were frozen, even though I am five steps behind where I should be on the pay scale. Times were lean and we made do because a raise for teachers would mean less teachers overall to serve students. When JCC's requirements to first educators to teach College Now courses changed and I had to take more master's classes so that my students could receive college credit for AP government, I didn't complain. I took more classes and as encouraged, I've kept up my training spending almost $25,000 out of my own pocket to continue my education because it was best for students. When I was told I would need to teach six hours instead of five, I did not complain because times were lean and we were told that would allow for cl smaller class sizes and that was what was best for students. But class sizes did not get smaller and now we have more on our plate than ever and years have gone by and miraculously times are not quite so lean anymore. But your current proposal says you will look into the possibility of moving secondary teachers back to five hours in two years. That means the earliest it would be is to, to go into effect is three years if your study finds it feasible. I am speaking out now because this is not what is best for students. I need you to see the effect it is having in our trench. We are constantly being told to add rigor and relevance, to work on writing, and to provide personalized learning to meet students where they are and to help all of them grow. We do this because we know it is best practice, but all of these things take an extensive amount of time behind the scenes to prepare, to monitor, to adjust, and to give students the meaningful feedback to help them grow. We do this because students are more than just a number on a page but we are exhausted and it is taking a toll. I implore you to look into how much of our district health costs are from stress-related conditions and illnesses. 
If it didn't violate HIPAA, I would beg you to look at how many teachers are on antidepressants, blood pressure medications, or are overweight from stress eating and lack of time to exercise. We are tired. SMSD is losing great teachers and turning off young people who wanted to become educators, and those of us left here are finding it harder and harder to do what's best for our students. Don't get me wrong, we will continue to dig deep and do the best we can, but I am asking you to please dig deep too and find a way to make the changes necessary to relieve some of this burden on your teachers so that we can all continue to do what is best for students. Thank you. Next, we invite Kathleen Lansden. Welcome. Thank you. My name is Kathleen Lansden. I live in Overland Park, Kansas. I am a proud K-12 graduate of Shawnee Mission School District. This past winter and spring, I was a proud substitute teacher in the Shawnee Mission School District. And as of August 1st, 2019, when my 2018-19 contract began, I am a proud first-year teacher in Shawnee Mission School District. At the last board meeting during public comment, one of the speakers asked those who were listening to think where they would be without a teacher. As I watched the live stream from home and heard that question, I began to cry because I would not be here today without an SMSD teacher. I'm not saying that I would not be here speaking to you as a teacher or a college graduate or even a high school graduate. I'm saying that I, <clears throat> excuse me, would not be alive today without an SMSD teacher. During my junior year of high school at Shawnee Mission West, I was diagnosed with major depressive disorder. And in November of senior year, a teacher saved my life. The two friends who were with me that day saved my life as well. And those two friends are first-year teachers in Shawnee Mission now as well. That teacher continues to change lives at West on a daily basis. And as you were already heard tonight, there are other people who have a similar story to mine. Teachers saving lives is not a cliche, it's a fact, and I'm here standing before you as living proof of that. So I ask that teachers be shown the respect that they deserve as lifesavers. They do more than lesson plan, they do more than grade and attend meetings and professional development. They do more than contact parents and implement IEPs and 504s, they make a difference every day. We make a difference every day. I get to make a difference every day, and that's why I chose this as my career. Luckily for me, I am in good health. I have no student loans, I am unmarried, and I have no children. So I can live on a first-year teacher as a musty salary with a health plan with a very, very high deductible. And I can stay at work until 6 p.m. most nights because I have no family to go home to and take care of. And I know many of the teachers in this room and many of the teachers at home can't live the same life that I live. Teachers have children and spouses. Teachers have health problems. Teachers have lives outside of their work, unlike me. <laughs> we work so hard day in, day out, at school, at home, we are not receiving the appropriate compensation. I look forward to January 9th, when the board and all those involved in the negotiating process will come to an agreement that SMSD teachers are overworked and underpaid. I look forward to our contracts reflecting the hard work and life-saving that we do. I have faith that this change will be made because I know without it, Shawnee Mission will be losing lifesavers. Take a second to think about where I would be without mine. Please don't make that mistake. Thank you. Thank you.
And next we invite Jeannie Scruton. Welcome. Thank you. Um, good evening. My name is Jeannie Scruton. I teach sixth grade at Mill Creek Elementary. Very proud teacher of these first two students who are up here tonight. Um, <laughs> I live in Lenexa. I have two children who attend Shawnee Mission Schools. One is a seventh grader at Trail Ridge and the other is in fourth grade at Mill Creek. Um, tonight I stand in front of you as a 20-year veteran teacher in Shawnee Mission School District, a teacher that's earned a master's plus 60 on the salary schedule, a teacher that sits on step 17 even though I have 20 years work experience, a teacher that has seen an increasingly heavier workload over those 20 years. Most of all, tonight I stand in front of you exhausted. I'm exhausted because of the increasing number of items I'm required to accomplish in my job. The exhaustion has created stress on my life and that of my family. I'm so exhausted each day that I go to sleep not long after my children. You know the saying that I have too much on my plate? Well, my plate has become the size of a platter and has now grown to the size of a table these past few years. I'm exhausted. In my school, I teach sixth grade science, and I believe that students understand science concepts more when they have a hands-on experience. The past four years, I worked hard and spent a lot of my own money creating hands-on experiences, labs, task cards, games, etc. to enhance my standards. After four years, I was coming very confident and comfortable in my standards. This year, I was told my standards have changed. So now, I have to spend more money and more time creating new labs, activities, task cards, games, etc. to match the new standards. It is hard to be the teacher I want to be for my students when my standards changed, causing me to relearn subject matters that I haven't taught in more than a decade. It is exhausting to create all of these things so that my students can be successful. It is exhausting, but I do it because my students thrive in hands-on experiences. My days are spent planning and creating these new activities, collecting data for IEPs, 504s, RTIs, ELL plans, SIP meetings, and PLCs. Yes, I said PLCs plural, as we not only have one grade level PLC once a week during my plan, but my principal also has us have a larger one every other week at 750. These large PLCs include my teammates, the principal, SPED teachers, a specialist, and the instructional coach. My day is also spent making parent contacts in the form of emails, phone calls, and in-person conferences. I've spent many late nights working on achieving my parent contact hours for my flex days, time I've spent away from my family. My day is spent working with small groups work during reading workshop to build up those areas in students who have gaps. It is spent grading assignments and trying to give specific feedback. Most days I don't get everything done, so it piles up. It piles up so much that I have to use one of my personal days each quarter to catch up. I shouldn't have to use one of my days to catch up, but I do because there's not enough time in the school day. This happens even with me working beyond my contract in time of 3.30. I'm exhausted. Why don't I take my work home, you may wonder? Because when I go home, I want to be mom to my kids and a wife to my husband. My family shouldn't have to suffer because my workload is too heavy, but yet they are. My kids would like me to have enough energy in the evenings to spend time with them while they do their homework or talk with them about their day or simply sit with them on the couch while they watch TV. My kids would like a mom who isn't so exhausted that she loses patience quickly. My husband would like a wife who can stay up after the kids go to bed to converse about our days and watch some of our favorite television shows together. I'm exhausted, and it's only November. Thank you. Thank you. Any board member questions? Next, we invite forward Kate Betcher. 
Welcome. Thank you. Good evening. My name is Kate Betcher, and I'm a Lenexa resident. I'm a mother of a Shawnee Mission graduate, a Shawnee Mission West graduate, and a Shawnee Mission West sophomore. I'm also a first grade teacher at Blue Jacket Flint Elementary. I am speaking tonight because I'm tired, like Jeannie. Not from teaching 23 lively students. I signed up for that, and I wouldn't change it for the world. I'm tired because I don't feel like I'm part of the Shawnee Mission team anymore. All of us work extremely hard, teachers, paras, aides, admin, and, bo and board members, but I don't think anyone is seeing or hearing each other when we share that some of us don't feel supported, some of us don't feel respected, and some of us don't feel appreciated. Shouldn't we all be listening to one another and how we are attempting and know that we are attempting to understand and hear what our teammates are saying? I'm tired because we are comparing people, all who work hard and who all want the best for students in our classroom. But for some of us, it's been a long time since we've spent more than 15 minutes in a classroom. For some of us, it's been a long time since we felt serious pressure to do the right thing. And some of us have our um, parents who are ch our, whose child is in a classroom of 27 kindergartners. Shouldn't we try to realize that all teammates, including parents in the Shawnee Mission School District, have a vital role to play and want to be compensated and treated accordingly? We must do better at understanding each other's perspectives to achieve that realization. I'm tired of my property taxes and my living expenses going up, but my paycheck not keeping pace with the cost of living within the Shawnee Mission boundaries. Shouldn't everyone be compensated fairly and be able to live within the district they teach if they choose? I am tired of explaining that all my team to, that all my teammates aren't really teammates at all, but possible adversaries. I want to be on the same team again. I want to have a common respect for one another and a common goal. I want my teammates to be valued as more than a bottom line. If we can't do this, the reality is that our team isn't the only one losing. Our students will too. Thank you. Thank you. Next, we invite Emery Apodaca. Welcome. Howdy. Hello, my name is Emery Apodaca. I live in Overland Park and I am a senior at Shawnee Mission East. I'm a former debater. Two years ago, our yearly topic was education reform. I learned extensively about the inadequacies of many school districts, but to me, none of that occurred in the SMSD. Call it naivety or ignorance, but when I heard that this board had chosen yet again to put teachers' needs on the back burner, I was appalled. I think that I and many others understand that it was not this board's fault for changing class requirements from five to six teachers for many. However, it is now this board's responsibility to fix it. Instead of focusing on remedying this issue, the board decided that the way to solve all the district's education issues is the 2019 strategic plan. The decision to not address class load proves not only that this board overlooks students and parents, but seemingly ignores the calls of dozens of teachers to change this. Furthermore, the structure of this strategic plan itself shows that teachers are not the top priority of this board. They aren't even close. Instead, they are given the same amount of attention and value as improving the lighting, 
Let me repeat this. Teachers are literally given the same time and same type of action team as the one for improving our facilities. The board could not be more overt in how they value the people behind me. The strategic plan is also net worse for teachers because it forces them to come up with, quote, personalized learning experiences on top of everything else they do during underpaid contract time. These goals prove just how disconnected this board is from actual education that happens inside of the classroom. Oh, but here's the final nail in the coffin. The decision to not direct all $9.8 million to teachers. According to a board statement in November, $3 million of this was spent on buses, resources, and electricity. The same statement also indicated that SMSD will receive an additional $3 million in the 2020 to 2021 year. The board could have waited to use the $3 million until 2020 to 2021. However, they made the active choice to take away from teachers now. I am disgusted by this board's constant disrespect for my teachers as both educators and as people. You are not doing enough. Over the past few board meetings, I've heard many speakers say they don't expect the board to find a perfect solution to this issue right now. I do. You were elected to this board because voters believe you were the best people to protect both our quality of education and our teachers. Prove that you are. There's a clear solution to this issue. Prioritize teachers, decrease class sizes, hire more teachers, pay teachers more. Instead of building a new aquatic center or sports complex, redirect that money towards teachers. <laughs> After tonight, I expect each and every one of you to bend over backwards for these teachers in order to find a solution and a way to fulfill our demands. Because these teachers behind me, bend over backwards, not only for their students, but for you all every single day. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Next, we invite Hannah Miller. Welcome. Thank you. Uh, my name is Hannah Miller. I'm a, I live in Lenexa, and I graduated from Shawnee Mission West in 2016. Dreaming is essential for a human being. They're the foundation for ambition. Dreams give you a love for life. According to research done in May 2019, 79% of students say that a teacher has encouraged them to follow their dreams. There are over 27,000 students in your district. So 21,330 students will continue to chase their dreams, giving them a purpose because of your teachers. Yet, you don't want to give them what they deserve. In the last 10 years, teachers have had a pay raise of about 14%. But according to the Social Security Administration, in that same time frame, the cost of living has increased 21.7%. Yet, you don't want to give them what they not only deserve, but need. As a student and as a daughter of a teacher, I have seen firsthand the effort and countless extra hours put into their job. But if I ask any teacher about their job, they'll be the first to chime in and say that it is not a job, but a privilege to work with their students. Yet, you don't want to give them what they deserve. Growing up as a talker, I probably gave my teachers a hard time. Well, I know I did. But not once did I have a teacher ever give up on me. Instead, they adapted to my needs, not theirs. Because these teachers are selfless. In fact, these same supportive teachers went above and beyond and even attended my sporting events.
because they know their job does not stop inside the classroom. Because of my Shawnee Mission School District teachers, I learned perseverance, confidence, and many other life skills that I am forever indebted to them for. Yet, you still don't want to give them what they deserve. These teachers continuously show their passion of teaching, whether it is from spending their own money buying needed supplies, staying late after school to help a student through a hard time, working on the weekends replying to emails or grading papers, and with them being here right now, proving their dedication. Yet, you still don't want to give them what they deserve. You board members and superintendents sitting before me have a choice to make. We all know what your teachers deserve. Do you? Thank you. Any board members have any questions? Thank you for being here. Next, we invite Andrea Dale. Welcome. Thank you. Uh, my name is Andrea Dale, and I'm a math teacher at Shawnee Mission South. Recently, the board reminded us of a timeline that has led us to this point. Let me share a part of my timeline with you as well. In November of 2007, I accepted my first job, and I was so excited to be an SMN Indian. The first year teaching six was tough, and as every first year teacher knows, you're going to be provided with lots of different surprises and things that come along the way. Halfway through this year, I was told I needed to find a coaching position because my job was on the line and that a reduction in force was coming and coaches were saved first. I was fortunate to get a position jump, coaching jumps in a sport I had never done. <laughs> I learned a lot that year and loved all the kids and the coaching staff, but it wasn't something I had ever pictured myself doing. The next three years, I didn't get it paid for continuing my education. The district froze call of movement the same time I finished my master's. I dove into other supplemental positions, serving my kids and my students in my school. The love for my students and content never wavered. The Sunday that my dad passed away, I went to North to make sure that subplans were in place because my students' learning was not going to stop. The entire math department at North attended the funeral because after five years of teaching together, we were family too. In 2016, I was still teaching six classes. I was also on the RTI team, the PBS committee, helping coach debate and working at Indian, at Indian night tutoring on Monday evenings from 6 to 9 p.m. Nothing like starting your week with 14 hours of math, right? <laughs> When I intended to stop doing Indian night, I was told that they really need a math teacher there and that since I had no children of my own, I was great for that role. That was also the year I changed schools. I was welcomed with open arms at Shawnee Mission South, another fantastic math department, enduring the higher class loads and extra duties with nothing but love, compassion, and support for our students. In 2017, changes were being made to the Higher Learning Commission, and I had to go back to school so that I could continue offering our students uh, college now credit to my AP stat students. I paid for those hours to help my students get college credit even before they set foot on college campus. I should have moved over a column on the pay scale this year, but haven't been paid for that movement. The district has set that money aside for column movement, and as it was in your budget proposed back in May. Why are you holding that hostage? Yeah. Having six classes is hard on teachers, but I am not here because it is hard on me. It is way harder on the students. This year, there was a wait list for my AP stats class. There were 
seniors that lost the opportunity to earn college credit because we weren't able to find more space in our master's schedule. I am no longer flattered when I'm asked to give more of myself. I have given myself to teaching and I'm lucky to have had the opportunity to change the lives of over 2,000 students. Please support the high school and middle school teachers through reducing their course loads to five classes and reimbursing those students who have furthered their education to the Higher Learning Commission. I appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you. Next, we invite Emily Brooks. Welcome. Thank you. My name is Emily. I live inside the Shawnee Mission School District in Merriam. I grew up attending SMSD schools, and my daughter uh, will eventually attend school in the district as well. I would like to read you some quotes I have gathered from talking to real live SMSD teachers that I am close to. These are family members, friends, and neighbors. Number one, there are school districts close enough that I wouldn't have to move that will give me better benefits, less classes to plan for, and smaller class sizes. Why wouldn't I leave? It's a no-brainer. Number two, I have a child, and my wife wants to stay at home with her, but right now I don't make enough for that to be an option. There's no way I can put my wife and daughter on my health plan. That would cost us a whole other mortgage payment. No one told me being a teacher would mean choosing between taking care of other people's children and having and taking care of your own. <laughs> Number three, I feel like I have been forced to be a workaholic. I don't have the time I need to get everything done in a day. I know I'm not taking care of myself, but when would I? We have heard these stories and more hear from teachers as they have gotten up and told their truths about feeling helpless, underappreciated, and not listened to, and yet, here we still are. Let me read some more quotes from you, board members. Number one, first, we must ask educators what they need and listen what they communicate to us what that is. We must prioritize reducing class sizes. We must provide educators with raises that will help them keep pace with cost of living increases that have occurred over the last eight years. That was a board member. Number two, she said in the interview she has seen what a teacher goes through on a first-hand basis and acknowledged that teachers go out of their way to buy supplies and lunches for students in need with their own money. She said during her time on the board, the policy has always been to pay teachers every single bit that we possibly can. Number three. Obviously, the first place to start is a competitive salary. They need appreciation, not just from parents, but from the administration. They need to know that their wisdom and experience are valued and that their input is sought out. They need to be given some agency to make decisions for their classroom, and they need to be able to make suggestions or report concerns and know that they have been heard. These are your words. These are things that you have said in order to prove that you are an ally to educators and that you get it and that you will truly do what is right and good. But here's the thing. I am tired of having allies. I am tired of people saying the right thing, posting the right article on their social media in order to score points and seem like they are sympathetic. I am tired of people saying they understand, but then never act as if they truly understand. Anybody can use a hashtag. Anybody can show up for a photo op and then never set foot in a place again. Anybody... 
Anybody can change their language depending on who they want to please. Don't tell me you read the latest op-ed piece that makes a great point about one side of an issue. That's not enough for me anymore. Um, don't tell me that you're an ally because I am tired of allies. I want some freaking accomplices. Do you know what accomplices do? They actually put in the work. They do the actions right along with you. They make plans with you. They even let you lead if it's your area of the expertise, like, oh, say, people who have master's degrees in teaching trying to say what they really need in the classroom. They suffer the consequences you do if it doesn't work out, and that's what I'm asking for. Do the things with me. Fight the fights beside me. Stop moving your mouth and tell us what we want to hear and start moving your feet, your pens, and your gavels, and show teachers the respect that they have more than earned. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. I'll turn to board members if any uh, questions. <laughs> Seeing none, I'll turn to Dr. Fulton. Any comments to provide tonight? Yeah, I, I sure would. First of all, I want to thank you. you know, democracy is a wonderful thing because you get to have meetings like this, right? You get to have voice. That matters. And um, so, as we go through this together, I want to share a couple of things. First of all, when, when you speak, don't, don't interpret our silence as not listening. We have some restrictions on us. Because we can't, uh, because all of these topics are about negotiations, we actually can't speak to those issues in, top, in, in public. It would be inappropriate from this forum to do so. So I don't want you to interpret our silence as being uncaring or unempathetic. And I will tell you personally, you know, it pains me when I hear personal uh, comments about me. I, I don't know how to frame them other than that. But I'm listening. And I care about you. I know. I know that feeling's out there. But I do. And so... One of the things that's difficult about this process is that not all of the timing of this is in our control. I will say this. We... Now, let me... Thank you for clarifying that. So let me, let me walk through this. Tomorrow, the district will be taking the information, which is sitting over there on the table and on the website for all to read, to the fact finder. Our part is substantively complete with that meeting tomorrow. The process has been defined for us is that there will be a meeting on the 9th. We've been very clear about that. We're happy to move it, move it up. But that's not within our control. So one of the things that I ask for is Take time to read through the information that you receive and know this, that we care about you and our silence is not a sign of a lack of empathy, but a restriction that we have on the way that this process is defined. And I just want to thank you. Thank you for what you do every day for kids. Thank you for what you do to change lives because we know that you're making a difference every single day. And... Um, I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving, and please don't please don't leave because there's more to the meeting. But anyway, thank you for hanging in there and listening to the content that we've had so far. All right, thank you. 
Our next agenda item is item four, and that is the consent agenda for this evening. I'll first turn to any board members to see if they'd like anything pulled from the consent agenda as now posted here on the website for consideration separately. Yes, Ms. Zila. I would move approval of the consent agenda. Second. Thank you. It's been moved by Mrs. Zila and seconded by Mrs. Goodburn. All those in favor of adopting and approving the consent agenda as presented this evening, please say aye. 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 And those opposed, nay. And that is passed by a vote of seven to zero. We now move down the agenda to item five. Is uh, the approval of some board policy. I'll, I'll turn to Dr. Fulton and see if he has other folks that want to speak to this change in policy. Uh, I don't have any specific comments unless any policy committee members would like to add to what's already in the recommendation. Um, before you, you have the uh, approval of revised um, board policy GACA, which is called positions. And um, I just want to give some clarification as to why we have, um, the committee is recommending to strike this, is that um, we are under no statutory requirement to have it in our policies, and um, we don't, this isn't currently our, our procedure either. So if anyone has any, any questions? Questions about this proposed change to this policy item, GACA? I would move approval of 5.01. Thank you, Mrs. Second. Mack. Thank you, Mrs. Zila. Any additional conversation about this change in policy? Dr. Sinclair. I would just add that most of this information is already on the website in the Human Resources Department. All right, thank you. Other questions or comments about the proposed item? Seeing none, all those in favor, please say aye. 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 And those opposed say nay. And that is approved 7-0. The next item is 5.02, and that's approval of the uh, revised policy GACB. I'll turn to Mrs. Goodburn. Again, this is just adding the or designee. So um, in writing jobs descriptions, it allows the superintendent to appoint someone um, or uh, appoint a designee to do that, update those job descriptions as necessary. I would move approval. All right, thank you. Second. Uh, thank you, Mrs. Zila, on the second. Uh, additional questions or comments by board members regarding this proposed change? Seeing none, all those in favor, please say aye. Aye. aye and opposed, nay. And that is approved 7-0. On to item 5.03, which is the approval of the legislative platform for 2020. It's the platform that we discussed earlier in the meeting. I'll turn to Dr. Sinclair. Is there any other... Uh, follow-up before we seek approval. Um, I believe Mrs. Mack found a typo on number 12. We need to insert the word two. So support flexibility to local, or excuse me, support flexibility of local boards to implement policies. So there was just a little correction on number 12. So the, the third, so number 12, the third word, support flexibility of, I think insert the word of works. You had a couple other comments. I didn't know if you wanted to elaborate on that. Um, I, I do have a couple comments, and they didn't make it into the platform. It's just um, a couple of things that I've noticed over the years. For example, I, and I really do like this legislative platform. I think you all did a terrific job. You, it's very thorough. And, um, you know, it's one of those things where you look at it and um, you want to maintain a stable school finance formula, and it does need to be increased, and it needs to be fully funded. and and, you know, I think the legislature has paid for three studies. 
um, in the course that I've been sitting on the Board of Education, and every single one of them says that no school district is, is funded to where it should be in this state. Um, and we're always in the bottom of the money that we get per student, um, which has always been very frustrating. So I kind of wanted to throw that in there somewhere. I understand why it, it's not. But I do want to make that point. The other point that I have maintained for a number of years is back on the, um, back here at the end. Um, when they talk about the tax scholarship that... 18. Thank you. The uh, private education tuition tax credit program. Um, and I would hope at some point in time that someone would look at the constitutionality of that because I think that what um, it is actually implied or it may even be specifically stated, it's been a long time since I've looked at it, in the Constitution that public funds can only be given... Um, when there is a public, publicly elected board that supervises the school. And obviously in private schools, they're not publicly elected. So I would consider that that would be a challenge to that tax credit program to begin with. Um, but I do have a, a comment and a question on um, the special education services and the excess cost. And obviously I probably challenged Dr. Little. I didn't mean to. I've never really understood why we don't get 92% of the excess cost, but I wanted, I, I'm not able to attend the meeting of the six Johnson County school districts um, that's coming up, and I'm wondering if that is going to be one of the proposals since other Johnson County school districts are also in the same position that we are, if not receiving the 92%. And I just want to say again that the numbers that I have heard, and, and I don't know if Russ is still here, but if we got fully funded at the 92%, we would have an increase of over $11 million. Is that correct, Russ? Yeah. Thank you. So I, I guess my question is, is that, is that going to be one of the priorities of the Johnson County School Districts? Is that going to be talked about that day? So reminder on procedure, um, each of the six districts will be asked to put forward three of their top priorities. So we can certainly add that as one of our three. And then from that compilation of the six districts, each listing three, that's how the priority list is created. Because ultimately, the group could probably only work through three items as Understood. Whole. Yeah. Thank, thank you for considering that as one of them. I think it's, we have to look at how we can increase revenue here in Shawnee Mission, and I think that that's our best shot. Thank you. Other items uh, regarding the uh, 2020 legislative platform as presented? I want to clarify, Mrs. Mack, was there an amendment at all in that? Only the typo. Okay. All right. <laughs> then it is moved and seconded to approve the platform as presented with the one um, word change that's been identified. We didn't, I don't didn't think we, anyone moved move and seconded. Second. Oh. Yes. I'll move with the amendment. <laughs> and I'll second it. Okay. There Thank you. It's been moved by Mrs. Mack and seconded. By Mrs. Goodburn. I rem I'm remembering the other policy change. <laughs> it's like, All right. It has now been moved and seconded to approve. One last final question. Uh, any other questions or comments on it as proposed with the one small adjustment? All those in favor of approving the proposed legislative platform for 2020, please say aye. 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 And opposed, nay. And that is approved. 7-0, thank you for your work on that. It's very important and very timely, as you shared earlier, because as we, we're counting days till the next legislative mm. session begins. Our next item is uh, 5.04, and this is the approval of uh, the increase in the health insurance contribution. Dr. Fulton. Uh, yes, we're recommending that uh, the board's contribution to health insurance be increased by $45 for all staff members. <clears throat> and that... Enrollment, of course, the new plan starts January 1st, so the timing of this is important for all staff. 
Okay. And as a reminder, it's attached to the agenda. There has been an MOU that's been signed by all of the interested parties that would be involved in agreement to that as well. Any questions on this? I'll move approval. Thank you, Mrs. Goodburn. Second. Thank you, Mrs. Mack. Question, Mrs. Owsley. Uh, my question is, we have a chart with the insurance rate differentials, and that's going to be going on the website tomorrow we, or I'm going to look to Mr. Smith for that. Uh, that's something we could probably get up tomorrow, I imagine. Yeah. So people can look at that so they can see the, the, the comparison expense and compare from last year paying. to this year as they make their decisions for Correct. Enrollment. For okay. each of the plans. Okay. Yeah. Other questions? Mrs. Mack. I just have a comment. I really want to thank the administration for reaching out and getting this memorandum of understanding done before the first of the year and um, that the NEA signed it and um, we're going to go forward with this memorandum. I want to really say thank you to our administrators and our team for getting this done. And also thank you to Linda Seek. I don't know. Linda, are you here? There you go. Thank you very much. Other board member questions about the proposal? Seeing none, all those in favor, please say aye. 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 And those opposed, nay. And that's passed 7-0. Uh, we move on to section six, which is board comments this evening. I'll turn to board members to see about sharing comments this evening. Mrs. Zila. I have one. Um, I was fortunate enough to attend the um, Kansas Teacher of the Year banquet on Saturday evening. And um, Melissa Moltini, I can Multi never get Multi her last name right. Moltini. Moltini. She is, did a wonderful job there representing Shawnee Mission and all teachers across Kansas. Unfortunately, our first choice, which was Melissa, didn't win. But the lady that won um, was a preschool teacher. And I just have to spread this because, of course, we all think that early education is the absolute key to getting success for our students. But she had her preschool within a retirement village. And so the grandparents would come in daily. I mean, they would get them out of the cars. They would put them in the cars. I mean, these, these different generations bonded. And her stories were just absolutely priceless. So if Melissa could not win, I was delighted that this person could win, Tabitha. She did an amazing job and very eloquent. And she will represent Kansas so wonderfully as she goes on to the national competition. Thank you. Other board member comments this evening? Mrs. Mack. Um, yes. Uh, on the news this morning on Channel 4, um, there was a Prairie Elementary student in Linda Jackaloni's class. Did you see it? It was amazing. Libby. At what grade is she? Do you know? She's in sixth grade. And so she, for many years, she has put together a Kids for Vets group, so Kids for Veterans. And she has raised a lot of money, spread a lot of joy. And the veterans um, came and talked to Channel 4. And if you've ever seen this series, they give $400 to, and they call it Pay It Forward. She was so cute. And um, anyway, so she's going to be giving that money to the program that she's put together. But it was a wonderful thing um, that I saw this morning. Um, and uh, th this is Mrs. Zila's and mine next to the last board meeting. So I just wanted to say, um, last week I went to my last PTA meeting to speak, and it was at Ray Marsh. And um, there were uh, quite a few new parents there, and it, re it reminded me of the duty that we have to um, fulfill as board members, and that's to educate our parents. And there were a lot of first-time parents there, and they don't understand the finance formula, how 
the money that you spend on buildings cannot be spent on operations and personnel. There is a little crossover that is happening, but according to state law, that has to be separated out. And so we talked about that, and we talked about many things that night, um, but it was, um, again, a reminder um, how much... Um, how, how, in, how enjoyable it was to meet new parents as we bring them into our schools. And um, anyway, I would like to um, invite all of you um, to take one of those briefs over there and just read it. In your, I know you don't have spare time coming up, but you might. Um, but anyway, and, and read it. Um, and I'm, it was, um, I'm glad you all stayed. Thank you for staying. Thank you. Other board member comments? Reverend Guy. Uh, several of us were able to go to the Thanksgiving dinner at Horizons last Friday, and that's always a highlight of the year, um, not just because it's the whole student body and their families and the, the teachers and everybody are sitting down to share this wonderful meal together, but the students in their music program perform for us, including some original songs that they have written. And um, it just it's just a beautiful moment, and I'm so proud of those students and the teachers and putting this event together and um, celebrating all the wonderful things happening at Horizon. So uh, those of you who weren't able to attend this year, I hope you can put on your calendars next year and get to go. Thank you. Other board member comments this evening? Mrs. Goodburn. Um, I was fortunate enough to um, volunteer this morning at the Family Adoption Program with the City of Mission, Harvesters, and Hy-Vee and Mission put together. This has been going on about 10 years, and it has grown tremendously. There was a huge amount of people there, and I have pictures of, uh, of one of the basketball courts at Sylvester Powell that was full of baskets of food that were being delivered to uh, students and families um, in the Mission area, Rushton, um, Santa Fe Trail, and North. Um, they also do a huge um, donation effort uh, to get gifts for families at the holiday time, and the, the walls of Sylvester Powell are absolutely filled with these trees with the little tags with um, different gifts that you can purchase for students and their um, most students and their families, and they are all our students and families. So I would would encourage anyone to stop by Sylvester Powell, anybody listening out there to stop by Sylvester Powell and pick a few of those off the tree and help to make someone's holiday a really special one. But I really wanted to give a shout out to the City of Mission that um, does this holiday adoption program. We really support our students and, and our, our students and our families. All right, thank you. Other board member comments this evening? Mrs. Owsley. Um, I just wanted to say you know, I'm always aware of liability as an attorney. That's something that's always in the forefront of my mind. That's how I analyze the world. And with the negotiation process, we are prohibited from bargaining away from the table. Should we make a comment that could be construed as bargaining away from the table, we open the district up to liability. So frequently, it is much better to say nothing than it is to say something even if it's unintentionally, that would cause a lawsuit. That is perhaps, you know, the over-anxious attorney in me, but it is what it is. Um, of course, it's not nice to sit here and feel like you can't say what you want to say. And even if I ask a question, my concern is that I'll come across as crossing a witness, which is also not necessarily beneficial for me at this juncture. Um, and so we, we really, we're going to sit here and we're going to listen. And we absolutely care. And we absolutely want you guys to be happy. I mean, my kids are in classrooms with you all right now. And I will say, honestly, I am very thankful 
that my kids have the teachers that they have because I know that the teachers that they have are teaching my kids even if they're really, really livid with me right now. And I have a difficult, gifted kid, so it would be easy to come up with a reason to be difficult back with him. I know a lot of you personally. Some of you have walked with me to Topeka. Some of you have advocated with me on other issues. And I appreciate the fact that in about five or six weeks, we're going to get through fact-finding. And we're going to have to build bridges back to each other. And there are people in this room who I think will help with that. And I am committed to helping with that. And I look forward to fact-finding being done and being able to move forward together as a team, as someone referenced earlier. I know we've got a long way to go to get there, but I respect the folks that I sit with up here. I respect the folks that are joining us here in a few weeks, and I respect the hell out of you guys. And the kids of this district are gonna need us to do it. So we're gonna, we're gonna figure out a way to do it. Um, thank you to those of you who stayed to hear board comments and given us an opportunity to speak as well. Um, I know it's hard to sit here through the long meetings. It is especially hard right now. So I appreciate the consideration and giving me an opportunity to say something back. We've got one more meeting to go through this process. We will sit and listen again. We read your emails. We read your comments. We read the online comments. We know how everybody feels right now. Um, and I... I do want to say to my colleagues, I know that this is hard, maybe harder for some of us than it is for others. Um, but I also know why each of you ran to sit on this board. And I appreciate your sacrifice. And thanks for sitting here with me. And thanks when I call maybe one of you this evening to cry and drink a glass of wine with you. <laughs> Um, so happy, happy Thanksgiving. I hope it's a good one. I hope your turkey is good. <clears throat> I hope your potatoes are better. Eat all the carbs. Thank you. Anyone else? Yes. Yeah. So our next board meeting is December 16th, and that'll be our final meeting of the calendar year, which also means that'll be the final board meeting for two of our board members. And so I want to remind folks that there'll be a reception prior to our December 16th meeting that begins at 5 o'clock to recognize Mrs. Zila and Mrs. Mack and their long-term service to this district. So I want to make sure that's on everyone's calendar. With that, if there's no other items, we are adjourned. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs>